This is Saturday Morning Mysteries. And we're your hosts, Alexis and Grace. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Saturday Morning Mysteries. I am your host. I'm your host, plural. Already off to a great start. Wow. We are your hosts. I'm not here. Bye. I am Alexis. I guess I'm Grace, who I don't know why I'm here. Then Um, either it's my show. Yeah, is this how you're telling me that this is a solo show now? Yeah, I have some bad news for you, Grace. Management called our whole audience to hear it. (laughs) Uh, no, sorry, but yes, the two of us, your two (laughs) hosts, we are back for yet another scratchy throat episode. (laughs) And of course, you know, what better thing to do when having like scratchy throats and coughing and stuff than like record hour long podcasts (laughs) (laughs) that you will then publish for the world to hear. Forever. If you're joining us for the first time ever, we don't always sound like this. Uh, I promise you, my my voice is not always like nails on a chalkboard or like skinning a cat. Uh, I think it's usually at least like maybe like not nails on a chalkboard. Maybe, pleasant. Maybe like Quite knuckles pleasant. on a chalkboard. Yeah, something. <laughs> not sure. Anyway, so that's why we sound like this. But we're here because we still have funny and uh, interesting mystery stories to tell based on our favorite uh, classic animated shows or just classic animated shows in general. And to that end, I went last week. Today, Grace, you will be blessing our our headphones and our screens with with a wonderful tale. Yes. So today, uh, we're still on Rescue Rangers, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, of course. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about one of my truly all-time favorite topics that we haven't yet talked about on this podcast um but i'm not gonna tell you what it is just yet nor am i gonna tell you the title episode just yet although it's season one episode 27 of rescue rangers which i can't remember if that's like the disney plus numbering or like the real numbering i think it might be the disney plus numbering because like in um Darkwing Duck, it's different on Disney Plus. Whatever. (laughs) When I eventually say the title, you'll know what I'm talking about. You'll be able to find it. So uh, it's important to keep in mind with this episode, as with every episode, that we are not psychologists or experts, but rather we are wild speculators. (laughs) That's right. There will be wild speculation in today's episode. Yes. Before we get to that, um, and before we get to the Rescue Rangers episode, I want to start off with two quotes that I find very relevant for today. So the first quote is by Lord Acton, who was a British historian, who said, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Classic. Mm-hmm. And I want to start with that one because I think it describes some of the main characters today who, like some of their real life counterparts that I will describe at some point, They may have started out with good intentions, but it ended up uh, doing some terrible things as they grew in their power. So the next quote I want to give you um, is like a, it's like a pop culture phrase saying um, that's don't drink the (laughs) Kool-Aid. You know, the background of this one at all. Are you talking about like with the uh, cult and all that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. uh, so, Ghana or not Ghana, Guyana. Um, yes, exactly. So it uh, seems we have another cult fan in our midst. So, Unfortunately. <laughs> so, not, 
CIA, not like that. Uh, like, like the history of it, not like, anyway, or, sorry, is it more suspicious that I'm like coming off so hard? Yes. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. It's cool, started it's cool, one cool. and or I'm not planning on starting one. Did, what? No. Don't worry about it. What? No. <laughs> Don't no, study guys. those for efficacy no. and not for like learning about the pains of his. What? <laughs> who me? No. So don't drink the Kool-Aid for those who don't know what we're referencing comes from an event often referred to just as Jonestown, which is referring to the place in Guyana that this event happened in 1978, only a decade before this episode aired, 908 people were more or less murdered, about 600 by suicide, and 300 actually straight up murdered, it said, uh, at the behest of their leader in what was called the People's Temple, and their leader was the one Jim Jones. And this phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid, comes from the fact that most of these individuals died by drinking actually fun fact flavor aid not kool-aid um mm. laced with cyanide kool-aid was probably having a fit like no no <laughs> yeah. no flavor aid flavor yeah. aid yeah their pr people probably did not have a good time and still are struggling with that today yeah um it's real fucked up uh another podcast series that i am deeply obsessed with last podcast on the left does a great series about jim jones people's temple and jonestown and you'll see why that quote is relevant a little later. Although, you know, there are some similarities about the first quote and Jim Jones of, um, you know, starting off with good intentions and then getting a little power hungry. Uh, as again, some of our characters did today, I will eventually speculate. Um, and the last thing I want to note before we get into uh, said wild speculation and the episode, which I promise we'll get to it. Um, is something that I did a little research on called the bite model. So basically the bite model, which was put together by, and I quote, research and theory by Robert J. Lifton, Margaret Singer, Edgar Shane, Lewis, Joy and West, and others who studied brainwashing in Maoist China, as well as oh. cognitive dissonance theory by Leon Festinger, Stephen Hassan, uh, developed a bite, bite model to describe the specific methods that cults use to recruit and main, maintain control over people. Because if you haven't picked it up yet, we're talking about cults today, oh which I am so fascinated by and obsessed Ooh. with. I don't know if I'm more fascinated. <clears throat> so I too, as you yes. alluded by my brief little bit of knowledge about Jim Jones and all that, uh -huh. I too am fascinated <laughs> not a fan of, but maybe fascinated <laughs> by cults and cult history in America. But I think I may slightly be more fascinated by the fact that we're about to tie it into a Disney show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Awesome. And it's not even, we'll get to it in a minute after I go through the bite model, but um, it's not even like a Grace Wild speculation tie-in. This is the script. This is the A plot. The <laughs> this a story. is the plot. Yes. Yeah. So we'll get to it in a moment. Um, but the bite model is pretty extensive and maybe not even fully comprehensive. It just like serves as a starting point checklist for those who may wonder, is this a cult? Am I in a cult? Um, basically, if you go through this checklist and you're checking off a bunch of stuff, 
you're probably in a cult. Take notes, everyone. Take notes. Yeah. Mm. Just as we go through this, see what <laughs> resonates with you. Yeah. Um, not in the sense of resonates with you so you can do these things to others. So you can avoid it. You so you can avoid it. Get out. So uh, bite. For the CIA agents listening. <laughs> exactly. So bite stands for the different types of control that cults exert power over. So behavioral, informational, thought and emotional control, AKA bite. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot more sub details that fall into each of these categories, but I'm just going to name some top ones. So it's basically like behavioral control and then like a sub list of different things that that could look like. Gotcha. So these are some of the examples that I picked out are behavioral controlling types of clothing and hairstyles, regulating diet, major time spent with group indoctrination and rituals, discouraging individual individualism and encouraging groupthink, separation of families, financial exploitation, manipulation, or dependence, all on the financial realm, such as like giving away all of your materials and wealth to the cult, which mm-hmm. is a real popular method. Mm-hmm. And there's the, the list goes on and on for behavioral and it gets really dark and very violent. Uh, informational control includes... Uh, deliberate deception and distortion of information, minimizing access to non-cult sources of information, outsider versus insider information posturing, encouraging spying and snitching on others, and cult-generated propaganda, things like videos, pamphlets, etc. So thought message or control can be changing a person's name and identity, altering mental states, such as through drugs, Uh, teaching what's called thought stopping techniques, which is basically shutting down reality and replacing it through things like chanting, singing, um, and then forbidding critical questions. And emotional control uh, includes teaching similarly those emotion stopping techniques, which would be like denying emotions such as homesickness and doubt and teaching that like you can't have those feelings. Uh, promoting feelings of guilt or unworthiness about life outside of the cult, instilling fear around things like the outside world and getting shunned by your group, Uh, phobia indoctrination, which is giving fear around leaving the cult um, or doubting the leader, such as there's no possibility of happiness outside the group um, or even going as far as threatening violence if you do leave. Yeah. So, all of that long list again goes on and on the full bite model. Look at how some of those resonated with you, and you need to dive into a little more. Um, I will say real quick. Yes. Sorry, it's interesting when you when you think of all those things, and I know that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more, but even just that, like smattering that sampling alone of like uh-huh. signs, how you like people think of this outside of religious context as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah maybe other organizations, businesses thing, just saying it's Uh it's interesting to see how like that applies outside of like spiritual religious sort of organizations too. Just saying. Even the fact that the like different research models that this was based off of looked at like a political doctrine to um, build this model. Mm. let's say um so let anyway uh, uh, keep all those in mind again in your personal life and reflection but also the specific ones i listed uh for today's episode as we go through it 
So today we're going to talk about, and you're going to love this based on both a past Scooby-Doo episode and our other conversations around copyright infringement, because the name of today's cult is the Cuckoo Cola Cult. Oh, shit. And that's what they're called. It's based off the of Cuckoo Cola, which a, yeah. what was it in the Scooby Doo episode? Cookie Cola. Cookie but Cola. Like with the K, or I guess maybe Cookie Cola, but yeah. I'm pretty sure they called it Cookie Cola. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, Coca Cola. Yep. There we go. But copyright infringement, they couldn't call it that. Right. An- another company having a, sh- a fit, like a conniption about, <laughs> oh my God, what the fuck are they doing tying our name to cult activity? Right. Shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> Thank not God that. it's a random Disney cartoon. Right. Not <laughs> and that not you know, Jim Jones this time. Coca-Cola, you know, didn't put cocaine or whatever in their cola at some point oh, to make it super yeah. addictive. <laughs> Which tying that into your first rescue uh-huh. rangers. Anyway, let's keep moving. So by the time we meet the cola cult, and this is from the actual episode, this is not speculation yet. Okay. Um, and I'll just call him the cola cult from here on out. Uh, <laughs> it's spiritual guru leader, this mouse named Pop Top, and his right-hand man, Bubbles, are leading hundreds of mice in togas, which... I guess for mice or maybe just like napkins or like <laughs> they're not full sheets because they're little mice. I get tissue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like tissue paper. Um, and the, yeah, so they're leading these hundreds of mice in togas and our fan and personal favorite, bowl cuts. Mm-hmm. All of them have bowl cuts, baby. Um, so all of these mice are pissed then because <laughs> they have bowl cuts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, they're just we, naturally angry animals. Yeah, they're naturally something's gone wrong in their life. With yeah. Um, and in their temple, which is actually the warehouse of a cuckoo cola plant, they chug cola directly from a dispenser, which seems to basically get them high off their rockers. Um, as they watch this commercial for cuckoo cola on repeat, which is this like catchy upbeat jingle with tons of color and people riding cola bottles around like unicorns in the sky and rainbows and the chorus of the song repeats which they chant in unison like swaying their bodies in this like spiritual almost like speaking tongues tripping balls experience come along you belong feel the fizz just over and over and mm. over again. I don't like this. <laughs> and, and as they chant these lines, uh, what we learn is the richest mouse in the entire city is there. And that he's kind of up on like this great stage and he's handing over all of his fine jewelry and gold to this bowl cut mouse which might be a man or a woman. It's unclear. They're all like, bowl cut. It's gendered. <laughs> it goes forever. And a toga. Who knows? Um, And uh, he's giving it all over for what they call the fizzing ceremony. So as Pop Top tells the congregation that this rich mouse is now far richer in spirit for giving himself over to the fizz, they all erupt into these massive cheers as on one hand, this very rich mouse essentially gets quote unquote fizz, which is essentially like getting slimed like in Nickelodeon of like <laughs> all of the fizz from like one of the dispensers like washes over him as 
the other part of the fizzing ritual is that all of his riches get dumped into this huge bucket that's getting filled with fizz. And I guess because of like the carbonation of this drink, which like, don't know what this is saying about, you know, what our drinks are made out of, but basically when it drains, the riches have disintegrated. So basically like truly giving away Oh my God. All of his riches and like essentially like incinerating them, but through this drink that they're also putting into their bodies, which is questionable. Yeah. That's doing wonders on your intestines, <clears throat> your little rodent intestines. Um, And as this happens, it all sends everybody back into the come along, you belong, feel the fizz refrain as the frail kind of like orange and red robed, almost like a like monk, like a Buddhist monk type of robe, um, mm. pop top uh, and bubbles. Again, his right hand man, who's kind of this, I'll describe them a little more in a little bit, but while pop top is like, yeah, frail and thin and lanky um, bubbles is kind of like this mixture of like a sumo wrestler and like Lucha Libre, like <laughs> <laughs> what? that's, it, so that's like what he's both. Yeah, like muscle and like what he's wearing is like those two things. It's very weird. Uh, But those two stand above their congregation, smiling and watching this ritual go down. So obviously already we see signs from the cola cult that fit the bite model from taking away identities, taking away financial means, chanting and groupthink. Um, But that's just when the rescue rangers find them is when the ceremony is happening. But before we get to that and, you know, the consequences of this meeting and what happens in the rest of their episode, we're going to pause the episode for wild speculation about the origin story of the cult. Awesome. So I'll tell you when we get back into the episode. Yeah. We're going to go over here to this, this area first. So while our story of, you know, rescue rangers in general probably takes place in New York city, um, I believe that Pop Top hailed from a much more humble and strict origins. So while now he's draped in these lavish robes in the late 80s when this episode aired, I predict that he began probably somewhere in the Midwest back in the 50s in what was likely an extremely devout household, as most households in the United States in the Midwest in the 50s were. So whatever religion... The, the tops, I guess. I don't know if tops is his last name or what. Um, his first first name, Pop. Last name. From what he was born. Can you imagine a little infant named Pop? Pop. <laughs> so confusing. I imagine that became his name because Pop Top like the soda, but the, I yeah. didn't come up with another name. So we're just criminal alias. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So whatever religion the tops subscribe to was likely extremely strict and did not adhere to any reading between the lines of their holy book. One of many siblings, because it was the 50s in the Midwest, and because they're mice, which I assume have a lot of babies because they're mice, (laughs) um, (laughs) Pop Top wanted to not only explore more in life, but wanted to stand out. Mm-hmm. So instead of the tight button up clothing and likely daily prayers that he had to have with his family, devout family, he was discovering, um, especially, you know, starting to get into the 60s as he was likely a teenager, you know, early 60s, uh, you know, maybe through someone traveling through town, things like Chuck Berry and rock and roll, which of yes. course gave way to the mid to late 60s rock and roll, hippie movement, et cetera, et cetera. But before we got into the late 60s, 
even the origins of rock and roll was scorned as the devil's music by his family, his temple or church and the community at large. Likely he was punished and ostracized greatly for listening to such music. And I surmise that there were probably at least a few other mice his age who wanted to speak up, who wanted to wear tight pants and gyrate and (laughs) rock out. But their deep fear of punishment and religious guilt kept them quiet. They didn't want to seem different. They didn't want to stand out because they saw the punishment that Pop Top went through for simply exploring and being himself. And for being, you know, in a religion that likely praised acceptance, Pop Top saw firsthand that you know, maybe like real life, uh, that's not always the case for uh, certain (laughs) practitioners of a religion. Uh, And he tried to reach out to those others who maybe seemed like they wanted to join his side, um, but they just scorned him even louder. So as the mid sixties really began swinging, Pop Top could no longer stand by this repressive community who, despite their best efforts to force him into conforming Uh, via spiritual preachings and again, guilt and shaming, uh, he decided to leave and try his luck in finding acceptance in sunny San Francisco. Of course. Yep. Of course. So (laughs) I surmise that he spent the height of the 60s there trying to find himself. Oh. (laughs) Uh, But. Sorry. Also, I like using the height. Anyway. (laughs) But he still felt like an outsider despite the hippies preaching free love and loving everyone, which in reality, like, like any, you know, belief system, good on paper, but humans ruin everything. And thus people who maybe have have that effect on things. That's like our most marketable skill. (laughs) Um, But despite, again, the preaching of acceptance and loving everyone, you know, he had both no family there or no community that could understand his repressive upbringing. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. even though he wanted to leave this really repressive community, you know, there's a lot of religious and uh, kind of like childhood trauma that he brought with him. Um, That's really hard when you're leaving a religion of any sorts to work Mm -hmm. through that. Um, And so he found himself being judged even by these so-called open, free-loving hippies when he would bring up the values instilled in him by his religious upbringing, Mm -hmm. such as loving thy neighbor, including your enemies. Uh, Because of course the hippies, even though, you know, preaching love and peace, you know, they still hated certain people like the man and uh, was not truly there to uh, love all thy neighbor. Mm -hmm. So pop top struggled with this and, you know, he would go on and on to say that, no, the weak and poor, not the rich and powerful would inherit the earth, as he learned probably in his uh, upbringing. But he ran into those who warred, like I said, against other political ideologies and systems. Um, and actually, a lot of those hippies he ran into probably wanted some closeness to rock stars or to be rock stars themselves. Mm-hmm. So again, materialistic, exactly, groupies, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And he thought they didn't need materials. Again, he grew up thinking the poor would inherit the earth, but found that even the hippies who were like, we don't need shit, man, we're still about it. Um, and despite his desire to be apart from the strict life that he once had to lead, he found this other extreme was just as ostracizing to him, um, uh, even in San Francisco. 
And as the 60s morphed into the 70s, I have to assume that Pop Top was probably drafted into Mouse Vietnam. <laughs> Not funny, but like, it's yeah, very funny. Most likely. Um, and saw some probably really horrific things, uh, likely launching him further into a crisis that begged the question whether there was any good in humanity or not. We will not go into all the horrors that the mouse Vietnam That's just, just thinking, like, imagine what a, a mouse's duties would be being drafted. You, like, see him, like, in uniform, like, scurrying through these, like, barracks and stuff. Like, like as through the he, trenches. It's like, wait a minute. The mice don't have, like, a president who, like, signs them off into war. That we know about. That we know about. Obviously, they have a detective agency, so some form of law they're trying to uphold. Again, our viewers are listening. Like, do they not know? (laughs) Oh my god, they sound so ignorant. They don't know about the mice Vietnam. (laughs) The the Battle of Mouse Vietnam was the worst part. Like many of our mouse brave mouse soldiers post Vietnam, may we salute them. May we salute. Tip our. It was just Memorial Day, actually. I went down exactly. to DC, saw the statue of the mice. The mice we lost <laughs> in wars since World War One. You know, you'd be Pop surprised Top. how many were lost in those damn trenches. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Pop Top probably also wanted to dodge the draft, but was like, yeah. no, man, I can't. I just I gotta do it. I don't know who are where I belong, who to believe in. Oh my God. And God yeah, would again. want me to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> probably lost a lot of good friends out there that contributed to what I definitely posit is some PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and that included afterwards, like I said, questioning, like, is there any hope and good in humanity? Like, I think that, yeah, like a lot of people, mice who are in Vietnam, he actually saw combat and the horrors of war, um, especially a war like this one. And so, mm-hmm. you know, back, he wound up back in San Francisco and was lost you know he didn't know where to go where he belonged again if there was any good in the world so like any 70s post-war individual he decided to hitchhike across the country (laughs) no money in his pocket and really no more shreds of hope in his heart for humanity you know religious believers had failed him the anti-religious spiritual believers had failed him and the systems all around like the ones that sent him to war had failed him. But I think while traveling across the country, the kindness of strangers to pick him up and give him a ride, food, even clothing to share basically with him uh, began to restore his faith slowly in humanity. He met people from all walks of life, different creeds and beliefs, and yet they all shared the same core desire, which was to be loved. So as he continued his way with no real destination in mind, I think he began to preach this idea that at our core, we are loved, we are worthy, and we do belong in this greater collective humanity. So, you know, at gas stations and hotels and campsites, people opened their hearts to this idea and began to ask for more of his thoughts on this matter and really began to follow him. And when someone asked eventually like where they could find him next to hear more about this creed that he was starting to build on our shared views of humanity, he said the first place that came to mind, New York City. Mm. 
And when they asked how would they find him and the others who are following him, because it's fucking New York City and it's huge. Um, There's he's, literally millions of mice there. Exactly. <laughs> um, I believe that he, you know, basically was like, I'll be dressed humbly in, you know, these probably what he had at this point. His nice little toga. Again, not needing materials. The poor will inherit the earth. He doesn't need that much more. So I think this is how his ministry and presumably toga getup began. So he arrived in New York City with a little bit of a sparkle in his eye and spring in his step. Not only had he personally seen the goodness of people now, seen humanity, but people were starting to listen to him and accepting what he said. Mm. So finally, he was feeling like he was welcomed and not rejected. But like anyone who tries it to make it in New York City, he failed upon first arriving. (laughs) Keeping to his belief that the poor would inherit the earth, he preached on street corners about loving one another and slept in doorways, but was spit upon by cutthroat New Yorkers who didn't need the hippie movement anymore and didn't care for mentions of godly creations and oneness. Put on a suit, asshole. <laughs> Get a job. Get a job. Get a haircut. <laughs> That's a stupid bowl cut. Uh, and so even as people from across the country began to trickle in to find Pop Top, his confidence in humanity actually started to waver. Pop Top was a gentle soul, clever and cunning to survive in the world, yes, to make it this far. But at his core, he wasn't someone who was going to shout for the from the rooftops about his beliefs. Rather, he people would have to literally lean in to hear this soft-spoken mouse, to yeah. hear his sermons. So how was he supposed to reach these cold people who didn't care about their neighbors in New York? And with all of the people who traveled just as far to see him, What would he tell them as more people arrived and saw that New Yorkers didn't care about humanity? Mm. No offense to New Yorkers, obviously, who I'm going to (laughs) continue to shit talk in this episode. (laughs) Sorry about it. Uh. Luckily, though, there was one New Yorker who took notice of Pop Top preaching, I think, to a small crowd of people in Central Park. This was a hulking mouse who, again, can only be described as a luchador slash sumo wrestler sumo. combined but um, like mouse sized right? like mouse size yes it's like, like a, a lot, human like size, size oh, okay like monty more, size maybe yes exactly okay. it's more of a rat maybe gotcha. um but i'm gonna keep calling him a mouse because that's what i wrote down yes so <laughs> this hardened mouse i believe came from the tough streets of new york who this is obviously bubbles and first looked at this group of hardened mouse bubbles. <laughs> bubbles. <laughs> bubbles. Um, bubbles. <laughs> looked at this group of mice following this toga to man, mouse, uh, probably first saw them as some type of freak show uh, who he could probably con. But he found himself walking by this small service again and again kind of in denial that he wanted to actually hear what everyone was crowding around about trying to Mm -hmm. play it off. Like they're so lame, you know, what a bunch of weaklings. They don't understand how New York really works until one day, I think pop top deliberately called him out and invited him to come sit with them and hear more. 
And this was, I think, the first time that anyone actually looked at bubbles as an individual with feelings and needs and worthiness rather Mm. than just a muscle to fight on the street or just another mark to be taken advantage of. And Bubbles was immediately captivated by this idea of kindness of humans and a humble life, especially after, again, he spent, I think, his upbringing on the mean streets of New York, you know, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, which were especially mean times in the streets of New York City, um, surviving among the gangs that used to run those streets. And he stayed after to continue speaking with Pop Top, who, once he heard of Pop Top's unhoused living, wavering ability to try and stay in a city where no one was really listening, yet having this growing congregation and population of followers from the country and what to do with all of them. Bubbles jumped on the chance uh, to help out and to really to join in a place that, again, saw him as another human, not human being, mouse being, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Again, rather than just a hunk of meat. Um, And so he said he knew of a safe place that they could all be in and grow. And that was the Cuckoo Cola warehouse. So as the ministry all arrived one day to the warehouse that Bubbles knew of through, I'm sure, some shady but reliable street connections, he handed them out, you know, trying to be a good host, trying to convince them this is a good spot. He handed out, I assume, small thimbles, because adorable, they're mice, mm-hmm. a cuckoo cola and showed them around, again, hoping to impress Pop Top and show his worthiness that he can give back to this group mm-hmm. um, and find a suitable home for them. So I truly believe that this cuckoo cola has like a slight hallucinogenic quality of it for mice. Um, And as they sipped the thimbles and toured around, they began to feel giddy. And as soon as they entered, entered the room that Bubbles foresaw as like their main temple, he played the jingle for them on like the TV that's sitting in there. Uh, And that's the one that rang out. Come along. You belong. Feel the fizz. Mm. Preaching the belongingness that Pop Top had always been seeking and preaching. It was like a stroke of God. So there they officially had a home and became the cult of Cuckoo Cola with Pop Top at its head and Bubbles at his side. Wow. Uh And as more people trickled in praising Pop Top's messaging and experiencing the high of Cuckoo Cola, which only solidified their love for this gentle leader and even more, uh, the mice of New York City were no longer a cause for grief. Instead, as the congregation grew, they became a mission that if their cult could convert New Yorkers into loving people for humanity, for their pure humanity, instead of trying to get something out of them, then everything Pop Top was saying was really true. Again, mm. sorry, I'm shitting on New Yorkers. It works for my story. So I'm <laughs> going to keep doing it. I mean, to be fair, you're shitting on New York mice. Mostly. <laughs> exactly. So you're right. You're mostly. Right. <laughs> For the most part. Mostly. So as people were disillusioned by the 60s and what the hippie movement had promised on top of war and violence and the future, Pop Top's message actually did start to spread like wildfire. Mm -hmm. So members of the ministry clad in togas at this point, which I'll get to in a minute as to why they're all in togas, which I will say is eerily similar to people in the, it's called like, I think it was called the Osho movement or the Rajnes Purim, 
which mm-hmm. was, yeah, we'll get into a little bit later. Um, actually, who were in Oregon, who eventually launched bioterror attacks and tried to assassinate a U.S. district attorney. More on them <laughs> later. But they're all dressed in like different colored togas, which they were all about. Uh, Pop Top, the Cuckoo Cola Cult, they played music on the street, kind of like Hare Krishna's, which, by the way, I think George Harrison was maybe into Hare Krishna. Call back to our mm-hmm. last episode. Uh, singing songs of Go back love. and listen to it yeah, if you're wondering back how that has anything to do with our last episode. Yes. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, singing songs of love and inviting people openly into the temple. Um, baby boomer, baby boomers needed something to believe in again after the disillusionment that the 60s and early 70s were. And here was this almost like agnostic, wizened mouse who had traces of probably what they found familiar if they were from a tr- traditional religious upbringing or if they're from the hippie movement, as his message kind of uh went went through had like lines through both um and he welcomed them with open arms and pop top who i believe this was really his special quality and charm actually noticed someone he seemed to immediately hone in on those who felt outcast or downtrodden or lost and say to them i see you and really see them and as more and more people joined they longed for more to believe in for someone to please tell them what to do now how can they all be, how can they all belong? Uh, they probably were asking. And I want to note that people who join cults aren't stupid. They're not mentally ill or anything all the time. Rather, they're people looking for answers and belonging. And mm-hmm. that's what these mice who followed Pop Top yeah. wanted to do. But there are some qualities that a long lasting cult leader needs. Charisma and charm, especially, which Pop Top certainly has, an organization which Pop Top certainly did not have. He just wanted to feel loved and have others feel welcomed. He -hmm. didn't know how to respond, I think, to their growing demands of, okay, we're here, now what? But luckily, he did have a good replacement skill if you're not good at organization, which is the ability to delegate. Delegate. (laughs) Yep. So while Pop Top (laughs) remained the joyful, peaceful face and preacher, he delegated the organization to Bubbles, who had both proven from the get-go that he's able to organize and see what the cult needs in finding Mm -hmm. this warehouse, Uh, but also from his time on the streets that he knew how inherently to survive and how to adapt, which really needs organization and Mm -hmm. process at its core. He had the street smarts and the cult organizational smarts. Exactly. (laughs) So with this, I think that this kind of dynamic, I think, helped further their cult. So while Pop Top told his adoring, growing crowds who felt lost that they belonged and that they were all one, Bubbles suggested that they look like one to really drive that message home, which I think is how they got the togas and bowl cuts. I don't know why he liked the bowl cut, but it was theirs. Maybe cheap. He's like, if I have to be miserable with one, then we all oh, yeah. It wasn't easy. They could all do it to each other. As Pop Top promised the meek that they'll inherit the earth and that the connection with each other was with our spirits and not materials, and that's what would bring joy, Bubbles suggested that all the members relinquish their worldly goods upon joining through this fizzing process. Pop Top was saying that everyone here belongs and wanted to create a sense of belonging on a spiritual level. Bubbles suggested that maybe they should use that Coca-Cola tripping or Cuckoo Cola, sorry. <laughs> oh my God. 
Tripping balls experience in ceremonies and rituals where they could all drink the cola, listen to the theme song as a way to bond and kind of get to the same frequency. And as Pop Top swore that they, this is a place that they all belonged and they could let their burdens of the outside world go and just be themselves. I think Bubble started to suggest that they should actively reject the outside world. And now I don't know if mice read human newspapers because sometime during the growth of this cult, Jonestown happened and Mm. everyone just kept tricking on in this cult. (laughs) Um, In fact, more mice seem to join it. Um, Maybe, maybe they do read it. And just like, you know, when things are in the news though, it just, you want to fuck around and find out. (laughs) Or they were like, like, but that's not us. Yeah, exactly. It's classic. Different. It was like the classic media, like accidentally, you know, promoting something (laughs) under the guise of like, no, 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 this is bad. Don't do this. And then more people do. Yeah. More people got the idea. Mice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or maybe it was the classic they read it and they're like, no, that's not us. Just like, dear listener, if while I was describing the bite model and you were like, well, that's not my group. Hmm. The first step is admitting you might be in a little yes. bit of a pickle. Yes, Admitting you have a problem. Yes. So under all of this preaching and, and growing of this cult, a storm was a brewing. Luckily, the storm would come crashing down, literally, uh, as the rescue rangers, no longer in speculation mode, by the way, now gotcha. we're into the episode. Cool. We're here now. Uh, literally as the rescue rangers trying out one of Gadget's latest inventions, which this time was a vehicle of like a roller skate with a hairdryer on the back, some flying car thing that was horrible. Oh, it was flying them? Uh, it mm. was like, I guess would get air. Little, and then, yeah, she was, was working it. It, it was being workshopped, uh, but nice. actively as they were all the crash workshop while they were all in it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> okay, live cool. workshopping. Cool. Um, and unfortunately, uh, this invention literally broke halfway through the first joyride onto it and crashed into the cola warehouse. Have they crashed crash in like every single episode? Yes. We've done yes. Last episode it crash landed. This episode it crash landed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. And um, uh, again, I don't. I do want to know. I don't know how it was powered. Like the hair dryer was powering it, that's but where what, was it plugged yeah. in? I don't know. I mean, Solar when power. you said that it was flying, that's when I just stopped questioning it. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> At first, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I guess the hair dryer is powering it. And then I was like, oh, but no, maybe throw it, that out. Maybe it's Who when knows? it was on the fritz, it was flying and just like jumping off things. Either way. It broke. They crashed. Unsurprisingly, it sounds like by the way you're describing it. Very unsurprisingly. Gadget, what the hell were you thinking? It was was a bad idea from the (laughs) get-go. And she knows it. They all knew it. Um, But they fucked around and found out anyway. Oh, they did. So as they crashed into the warehouse, these outsiders are actually met with mice who are like straight up fully like toga ninjas like ninja style like little Mm. headband on and they like jump and roll out behind crates and barrels and bubbles emerges immediately questioning them and why they've come 
clearly there's a little vibe of paranoia about someone just bursting into the temple, which like does kind of make sense. They just literally burst into the property, breaking in another window um, (laughs) and property damage. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But Pop Top soon emerges and calls the ninjas off who like all melt back into the shadows. Mm -hmm. um, And he calms, he calms bubbles down. And he notes the crowd is starting to gather into the nearby temple. And while Bubbles is saying, like, these people were snooping around, Gadget's like, no, 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 we weren't. We were just lost. And Pop Top turns to her, nods knowingly without missing a beat. He says, ah, yes, we were all lost once before we found the cola cult. And then he leads the rescue rangers into the main hall where the ceremony with the rich mouse I described at the beginning is fully taking place. Again, the fizzing, as they call it. Um, And as they're watching this all go down, another mouse in the cult, this one named Myron, who's kind of like handed off. Myron? Yeah. Myron. It's such a normal name compared to like Pop Top and Bubble. Myron. Myron. (laughs) Okay. Um, who I guess is maybe high up in the ranks as well, whatever whatever ranking system they have here, because he gives the rescue rangers the tour of the temple while Pop Top and Bubbles go to uh, do this ceremony. Um, you know, he shows them the soda showers the members are taking, which again is just like standing under the like the dispensers and like soaking themselves in cuckoo cola, aka LSD um, or whatever. Very sticky LSD. Uh, yeah, very oh gross. <laughs> um, so it's like the floor of a movie theater in that place. Yeah, sticky everywhere. It's like you hear like yeah. Plastic. yeah. <laughs> um, and so Myron asks them if they're here to join the cult. He's like, "Wow, this is so exciting! Like, this is what you guys are here for." <laughs> What's up? Uh, and the rescues, rescue rangers quickly are like, "Uh, no, bye." And they leave. Um, Pop Top's voice rings out behind them that they're always welcome. And while that might have been the end of Rescue Rangers' exposure to this seemingly inconsequential house of worship, and I guess, like, even though they're detectives, like, they're cool detectives because clearly, like, these mice were doing a shitload of drugs. But, Mm -hmm. like, maybe the Rescue Rangers were like, nah, decriminalize it. We don't need to get them for all this clearly LSD they're taking. (laughs) When I hear about the war on drugs. We ain't about that life. Right. We saw real crimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They were trying to have fun in there. Yeah. But they met that evening with a knock on their door at their little rescue rangers HQ, which is in the little treehouse. It's very cute. And opening it, they find Myron, the bowl cut mouse from earlier, who's nervously standing on their doorstep saying he has something he really needs to tell he them. He got there she- very quickly, by the way. Oh, yeah, he did not wait a second. Um, which, granted, like, if everyone's else is tripping balls, it's probably pretty easy to just... Like, Actually, <laughs> true. Like, he just, like, walked right out. Out. <laughs> yeah. He just followed them <laughs> the whole time as they left. He was like, wait. Yeah. Guys, I'm coming. Oh, oh, oh no, they don't hear me. Oh, I'll just... I'll, I'll be, just follow I'll them. back at your place. Cool. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Like, yeah, yelling probably... it still while everyone's tripping right there. Yeah, You're listening tripping. to the music yeah. swing yeah. and all that shit. So... Uh, on the doorstep, though, again, his eyes are shifty. He's kind of fidgeting around. He's kind of like constantly looking over his shoulder. But right as they're about to invite him in, one of Gadget's experiments that she's tinkering with, kind of just like in the HQ, 
something goes wrong with it again and like causes chaos basically it's like a magnet and like shit starts like flying across oh the God. like room and like flying over their heads which obviously freaks myron the fuck out um and it makes sense that like the first sign of disturbance and discomfort like an experiment exploding everywhere um someone who's indoctrinated into a cult and like kind of got the bravery to leave and maybe seek help would immediately flee and go back to where they had a sense of safety which is actually something you see over and over again with people who try and leave a cult is that if the slightest thing goes wrong it makes sense you know it's like it's like essentially like an abuse cycle an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. of like they go back to the thing that promised them safety because clearly something else went wrong and nothing was going wrong in the cult. I don't yeah. explaining that well, but basically, yeah, they, they go back and that's why it's yeah. so hard to leave. They're like, Oh, I was, I was safe here. Yes. So let me go back there because this horrible thing did not happen when I was under yes. Jim Jones's yes. protection. Exactly. <laughs> or saying things like, see my cult, my leader, my guru, whoever he told warned me, me, yes, something bad would happen. And look, it did. I need mm-hmm. to go back. Yeah. Um, but clearly worried at Myron's deep distress because that was pretty terrifying. He showed up, said he had something to say. He clearly was under duress. Uh, the rescue rangers returned to the Kola warehouse to try and find him and learn what he had to say. You know, they care about other people, otherwise. Mm-hmm. But while trying to sneak around, Gadget's yet again latest invention breaks down. And this Ooh. time... Not just 0 for 3 today, just yes. saying. <laughs> and not only this time does this, this crash landing literally from the ceiling alert all of the ninjas in the warehouse of their presence, but it almost literally crushes Zipper, who's the little Ooh. fly in the group. So literally almost kills him because this experiment went wrong. Um, and uh, they flee immediately. Luckily, they get out okay perhaps momentarily noting how odd it is that this apparently peace and loving cult would have essentially armed guards, which is another thing among some extreme cults, uh, the gradual or sudden arming of themselves, which we will also talk about later. So back at HQ, as you've noted, actually just now, Gadget is 0 for 3 (laughs) on her inventions including the last one which almost killed another member Mm -hmm. so as they're kind of regrouping being like well that was weird i guess mine will come back tbd gadget comes down with a packed suitcase because they also all like live together in hq i guess um and she says that she's renouncing herself from the rescue rangers goodness yeah she was like look i am causing us actual danger we were almost attacked by these ninjas more than once now because my experiments failed i almost killed zipper like i'm putting everyone in harm's way because everybody has something very specific that they bring to the group and hers is inventing. And I do want to say real quick, she's like going one by one, like heartfelt, like naming the beautiful skill that they bring and value to the rescue rangers. But she uh-huh. gets to Dale. She goes and Dale, D- Dale has a good sense of humor. <laughs> and goes on to the next person. Which, okay, important. I will yes. say they're in some very life-threatening situations. Some comic relief is very helpful. Exactly. But also, like, damn, they love shitting on Dale. Yeah, damn, girl. Um, 
Wow. Also, let me just say real quick, like, Uh I don't think it's a sign that gadget needs to leave. I think it's a sign that you need to not like, you need to test things in a lab and not in real life. Like scientific method this. Exactly. You don't like make something and be like, all right, guys, let's go. Like, let's yeah, just not, like be make a little it, more careful. And then, yeah. Anyway. Exactly. Like it's an opportunity <laughs> to learn. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I will say of, you know, she, she has seen so much of, yeah, again, like what everybody brings to the group and that is like their strict roles and values. And I don't know too much about Gadget's whole backstory again, beyond the fact that like uh Monty like knew her father and so I assume something must have happened to her family which is why like Monty like sees her as a daughter so maybe there's something there a little bit of trauma with belonging um Mm -hmm. and that value piece so obviously the gang says exactly what you just said of like whoa girl that's a little extreme like And we all fuck up sometimes. Like, look at Dale. I'm sure they were all thinking. They didn't say. But I'm sure they were all thinking it. As you just noted, Dale brings nothing to the table and we still let him around. <laughs> yeah, he's still here. Yeah. Um, but as they're all trying to talk some sense into her, that she is just not listening, Myron actually bursts into the door from, like, this rainy night that it's become. And promptly from, I think, just like the extreme and adrenaline and whoever knows what else is going on in him, he bursts open the door, muttering the cola call over and over again before he just passes out on their doorstep. Very dramatic, Myron. Very dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Should I hold longer? One more time. One more time. Are they all looking? Zoom the camera in. No, 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 that's not my good side. Other side. Uh, And obviously everyone rushes to revive Myron. And Gadget, as this is happening, quietly slips out of HQ and into the rain. Yeah. She's like, thanks for the distraction. I'm out. That's dramatic. Super shady and actually super (laughs) shitty of her. Like, wait, no, we have like a legitimate. You can help him. Call an ambulance. She's like, nope, I fucked too many things up. I'll probably kill this mouse if I touch him. Probably was thinking that at this point. Yeah. (laughs) So unsure of really who she is now and like, what, who is she if she can't invent? After all, her fucking name is Gadget. (laughs) So she's not gadgeting around anymore. What is she doing? (laughs) Yeah. So she's wandering the streets of NYC. In what I believe the creators missed an incredible opportunity to have like a beautiful late 80s song and montage of like her the like ballad. Yeah, yeah, like staring at her reflection in the, in the rain, which she does do at one moment, but like it needed to be like a very long, like you know, seeing the reflection of like the neon lights of New York City yeah. as she splashes <laughs> through like a cab splashing. I was gonna her say she tries water. to hail a cab, but it just splashes <laughs> her instead. <laughs> And then she's back to walking. She gets mugged or like a dog steals her suitcase yeah. and she's just alone walking. Looking yeah, exactly. Like the big city. Like it would have been an incredible montage that yes. they missed the opportunity. Yeah. I, I love these writers, but this one, they fucked up real bad. Yeah. yeah. They should have done it. But while anyway. wandering the streets, of, I'm not upset or anything. But while wandering the streets of New York City, she stumbles into Pop Top and his merry band playing the streets, even in the rain. Again, like I said, like the Hare Krishna is out singing and inviting people in. 
And again, he's very perceptive of other people. So he actually stops the music immediately as she's now crying. And he's like, oh, are you okay? Like, girl, Uh what's going on? And she's just going on and on about she doesn't belong with the rescue rangers. Who is she? And without missing a beat, he tells her to come in, to come along and feel the fizz. Oh, no. (laughs) literally says with a catchphrase like that hey how can you miss baby i do want to feel the fizz i will say a very extremely important thing about cults is marketing like jonestown simple to the point Mm -hmm. we'll talk about some other cults as we go through here and like a key aspect beyond so many other things marketing like scientology marketing incredible anyways So alone and lost in a huge city with nowhere else to go in a downpour, she agrees to go off to Mm. the warehouse and at least dry off. And here, dear listeners, is where we come across uh, one of the quotes I started with at the beginning. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Because Mm -hmm. in the depths of her identity crisis, suddenly met with a warm and welcoming mouse and other mice saying she belongs, Gadget says, okay. I'll get fizzed, a.k.a. the soda shower and giving up her otherworldly possessions and burdens of her past life, which for Gadget is her toolbox of tools, which as a side note made me think like, does she not have any money? How do the rest of the Rangers get paid? Do they have yeah. money? <laughs> Come to think about not, it. I'm like, not sure. Yeah, no, I, and I think maybe we'll talk about this in future episodes, but like, <laughs> we've kind of already like happened upon this topic, but they just come upon things to investigate. Like people aren't exactly, they're not really ever hired. It's like a Scooby-Doo, like we're here now and we'll solve this. Yeah. Yeah. But like at least in Scooby-Doo, we see them, I guess, sometimes get paid back with like elaborate meals or like, oh no, no, stay in our resort since you helped us like solve the mystery. But in this case, it's like, no, here's this manuscript from this (laughs) dead author. Here's Here some go. chocolate. Yeah. Here's, yeah. Like, Unclear. Yeah, they don't get paid. Gadget yeah. has zero money. Exactly. <laughs> That's which why is, all her experiments don't work. Which is why her experiments don't work, yeah. which is why her only thing to get fizz was her toolbox, which yeah. also I, I started to think actually is another reason why she said yes to coming back to the warehouse because that she didn't have any money to find a place to stay. Like, mm-hmm. maybe Rescue Rangers is also a cult in and among itself. Oof. I will say at the very beginning Myron was like are you here to join the cult Chip or Dale we're like no we have the rescue rangers who knows the rescue rangers are like "Ah, we're not like them no 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 we're the first sign (laughs) that you're in the cult Uh, and you see how their eyes get sometimes marked with (laughs) cheese Dale (laughs) sweets and sugar like they're obviously obsessing over something going on here yeah so um but luckily, uh, due to what I think is maybe our real hero of the story, Myron, who back at HQ was able to be revived. Mm, good. He, no he thanks sneaks, to Gadget. Truly no thanks to Gadget. <laughs> at the same time, he's able to sneak the rescue rangers into the temple because he got them matching togas. No bowl cuts, nice. though. So they're probably not. Yeah, truly. Um, but imagine zipper with a bowl cut. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> like three little like Wait, hairs. Was also wearing a toga. <laughs> I think so. 
in my in my mind he is now yes which is like just a thread (laughs) like not even a tissue (laughs) um but i think because the lack of bowl cuts they immediately are met by the ninjas and bubbles who uh we see him basically tie them all up and like stick them into empty cola bottles and um of a special note is that while this is happening the music is going on so it's extremely loud so the crowd that's gathering for gadgets fizzing doesn't hear the struggle of these other rescue rangers and myron fighting the ninjas and getting stuck into these bottles and as gadgets tools are being lowered into the same bucket that all like the for the fizzing ceremony where things get destroyed behind them the bottles of uh of i guess rescue rangers and myron are also being lowered into the fizz bucket ostensibly not just to be disintegrated but perhaps even drowned beforehand because they can't get out of these bottles like they're it's like too thin at the neck to somehow get out so it's going to get flooded disintegrated they were stuffed in there somehow okay (laughs) <laughs> i don't know how they got in there in the first place Wait, especially not even monty zipper? okay well yeah <laughs> okay. it's all anyway no, no shaming against monty yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um i do want to say that again as they're all slowly being lowered in and are fully actively lowered in beneath like you know the water line of the fizz you start seeing the bottles fill up with fizz um, we cut back to Gadget, who's getting her fizz process done. Again, everyone's singing and swaying. I'm sure they're getting the shears ready to give her the bowl cut. Uh, <laughs> Gadget's just not into it. She's getting mm. slimed with the cola and even seems to have no impact on her. Maybe she's got a high tolerance for drugs or something like that. But she's uh. just kind of standing there, downtrodden, rock bottom, just not into it. Mm. But... Instead, while, you know, Meyer and the other rescue rangers are, again, trying to find their ways out of these bottles before it disintegrates all around them, instead of their deaths by drowning or carbonation, I guess, a trap door opens at the bottom of this bucket, and it drains the bucket, all of the contents, rescue rangers included, at the bottom. Oh. And instead of their doom... The bottles kind of crash down onto a floor and they're able to escape. And they're suddenly surrounded by a vault of gold and riches. A vault, Ooh. they realize, that was all of the quote-unquote otherworldly burdens yes. of the members of the Cola cult. Mm-hmm. You know, I was wondering about that. I was like, wait, is he truly just disintegrating this stuff? Like, this guy is not really in it for the money. He doesn't care. He's like a straight up actual cult leader. Wow. Interesting. And this, I might add, uh, again, kind of merging again our back and forth between real world cults and this cult is truly an incredible key to quote unquote successful cults. Mm-hmm. Money grabs. Mm-hmm. For example, excuse me, at its peak, Om Shinrikyo, which again, Lost Podcast on the Left does an incredible series on, which can only be described as a Japanese doomsday death cult that led straight up terrorist attacks in Japan. 
including um, one on the Tokyo subway that killed and got hundreds of people sick through um, basically a biological like gas attack at its height and also like worked with um, shit. Why can I think of the name now of the Japanese mob that runs fucking everything. Oh, the Yakuza. Yes, they like worked with the Yakuza. At oh, great. its height, cool. Ocean Rio <laughs> was worth in like 1990 money, I think, at least $1 billion. <laughs> yeah. And as See, I mentioned- CIA, don't listen to this next <laughs> statement, but damn, what a business venture. <laughs> they straight up like, y'all go listen to this series from last podcast. I'm sure there's other episodes yeah, on it. Yeah, check but, it out. Like, they got yeah, fully like- we're working with the Russians to try and get technology for like bombs. They were a mass, they were creating their own guns and weapons, wow. working with the Yakuza, like fucking buck wild. And as I mentioned, not only <laughs> is giving away your financial means a form of control for you as a cult, but it also gives the cult ability to grow. Yes. Sure. Marketing, maybe, baby. Yeah. yeah. Let's spend money on that marketing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and sure, maybe it's used for good if given back to the people. Like I will say at the start of Jonestown, Jim Jones or the People's Temple, Jim Jones yeah. did give some money back to the community he was trying to help in really progressive ways at the very start. <laughs> I don't last long. Um <laughs> Or perhaps it's used for other indulgences by the leader, or perhaps for high-powered lawyers or real estate, which is a great investment for insurance, or for vices or insurance or bribery. Mm -hmm. But as we can see here in the Cola cult, and honestly by Myron's pure shock, because he knew something sketchy was going on, but he did not know that it was to this extent. Like, he knew something ulterior was going on within the Cola cult. And that's why he went to the rescue rangers to ask, like, to help get him out. Investigate it to figure out. Yes, yeah. something nefarious was happening. But clearly, this hoarding of wealth was unknown to Myron. And, you know, obviously, um, uh, Bubbles saw or heard the commotion of their crash that they, they basically didn't drown. They crashed through before being drowned. So he, send, he sends the ninjas down to the vault to prevent them from leaving. And as this happens as well, as the ceremony on the other side of all of this, just above the trapdoor is happening, Gadget's not feeling it. So she's mm -hmm. she kind of tells the leaders and everyone, like, sorry, like, this isn't this is awkward. Like, yeah. I don't know how often this happens, but like, but like I'm actually going to go. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not into it. Like, I don't know where I belong, but I don't think it's here. Like, I don't like what's happening. Good um, for her. I know. Off. So clearly yeah. she was just looking for a place to stand where it wasn't raining. So yeah, <laughs> but then like, she got wet because she got the drenched rain. with yeah, the cola. So she was like, like, I got wet here too. Yeah. <laughs> This was didn't this help not, me. This was not. This didn't give me any answers. Yeah. Actually, now I'm sticky as well. Yeah. Like this, I'm gonna go back into the room to wash off yeah. all the sticky shit on me. Yeah. Um, and so you know, ostensibly, like she's allowed to start leaving, except she's met by ninjas. Once she's out of the in mass uh, group of uh, congregants. She is immediately captured and thrown into the same vault that the rescue rangers are in as the ninjas and leaders need to figure out what the fuck to do with these people who have she now too much. figured out because mm -hmm, they figured 
She's going to go back and find the rest of the rescue rangers are gone. She's going to figure out Myron was probably here. She's going to come back. She's going to know we did something to them. But to everybody's surprise, including Myron and the rescue rangers, that the next to be thrown into the vault completely tied up like the rest of them were is Pop Top. Mm. And so the other ninjas flood in and Bubbles comes in after them completely to Pop Top's pure surprise and deep betrayal. Oh, no. Because here we recall our first quote about power because we see that the opportunity for power, I believe, is what brought Bubbles into the cult to begin with. And it's power he's gonna fucking get. He played the long con. He played the long con. Mm -hmm. So as Pop-Tart's heart breaks, it's so sad. This like, he truly was here. This cult leader's heartbreaking. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, yeah, he truly was. Either way though, he, we should talk about the end culpability, but anyways, (laughs) uh, he learns that not only has Bubbles been stealing everything from everyone this whole time. But he is now stealing the cult out from underneath Pop Top. Also, I want to note, I had to write Pop Top so many times. And the whole time <laughs> I was like, I want some Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts. <laughs> I was like thinking about them too. That sounds so good. Okay, it's not just me. <laughs> no, like I haven't had them in so uh, long. And so every time I was just like, hmm, yeah. Interesting. That sounds delicious. A while. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> By the way, Bubbles flippantly mentions that he was the one who the second time the rescue rangers came into the warehouse where they almost killed Zipper, that he and the ninjas were the ones that sabotaged Gadget's vehicle. So it wasn't that her experiments were going wrong. It's that he was able to sabotage it and almost kill all of them. Wow. Which I will say gives Gadget a little bit of like, oh, Oh, so it wasn't my fault. I, I'm yeah. you know, still two out of three, but sure. one. But like that That's was successful. the one that broke the camel's back. Exactly. So if we can take that one back, yes. and it's like a little extreme. bit of self-confidence reinstated. Yes, exactly. And so but as- also that's like Bubbles is like an evil genius here. Like, he yeah, is. maybe we'll talk about it more on the end. I'm trying to figure yes. out how that all ties in. But yes, yeah, go he ahead. is conniving. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I was told right now, I think it ties in because he was like, they're here snooping around. Because remember at the beginning, he didn't want people snooping. I think he was straight up trying to kill them, which we yeah. can talk about violence and calls at the end. We'll, we'll okay. go into it <laughs> yeah. as well as culpability. <laughs> so as Bubbles leaves to go claim his cult, a la Scar from Lion King style, <laughs> um, a fight between the ninjas and rescue rangers breaks out. And in the chaos, Gadget, who we now know is very sneaky, manages to escape. As I will say, Rescue Rangers, Myron and Pop Top get fucking taken down by the ninjas. Mm. Yeah, these ninjas are skilled and like highly trained operatives. Um, And so this is interesting because while Pop Top was convinced, I think, by Bubbles that the ninja guards were necessary, they clearly are loyal to Bubbles from the get-go, not Pop Top. Like Mm. these guards, they're not there for Pop Top. They are bubbles is this is a full-on coup either that or they've just been using pop top as a front like Mm -hmm. all this time all this time so i speculate that yeah 
that these uh, ninjas were actually Bubbles' cronies from his gang's street days, hoping to ride his, you know, coattails, his tail to Mm -hmm. the top. (laughs) His literal tail. tail. (laughs) So in the temple, Bubbles calls the cult members together to continue their, you know, the fizzing that was just going on. And he says that there's a special fizzing ceremony that they're going to have of these cola bottles, these special cola bottles, which are filled with the rescue rangers, Myron and Pop Top. And not wanting to miss a chance for a good fizzing, they can't see obviously all of their friends in these bottles. They all assemble. Um, But uh, uh, as, and again, like I said, they're in the bottles, he's gonna do the same process before the same fizzing. Um, but some of the cult members who maybe weren't there for the trip that just happened, um, they wonder aloud where Pop Top is. He's never missed a ceremony before. But mm. Bubbles downplays his absence and immediately begins the cuckoo cola jingle and the soda showers, a.k.a. Ah, drug baths. Look over here, guys. <laughs> you belong. Including he's trying to get everyone into their chanting and swaying trances, which is starting to work. Some of them are like, okay, yeah, maybe like we're having two ceremonies in a row. Yeah, (laughs) maybe he's finishing initiating the other new member, wherever whatever happened to her. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. (laughs) That one new chick. (laughs) Maybe she's getting her haircut done. Okay, let's let's go along with it. So they start swaying and getting into it. But crashing into the scene, this time on purpose, is Gadget with the invention that had been left behind in the warehouse that was broken that she was able to go and fix because she figured out that it was sabotage. Because she's a genius engineer. She's genius and good at Mm -hmm. inventing. And, and part of inventing is failing. That's how you invent things. And exactly. so she realized it and she's going for it. It's like it. the point of a hypothesis. Exactly. The scientific science. method. It's, it's science. science rules. <laughs> the beauty of it. Yes. And so uh, she's able, basically, she like improved it even and essentially made like an armored vehicle and like rampages through the oh, crowd. Yeah. Who else like, we're the getting way. the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. And she goes straight towards the fizz bucket. And again, luckily, yeah. all of the cultists jump out of the way. Uh, but they are all snapped out of their trance, obviously. Like, even a good trip, you can sober up from shit, clearly. When an um, emergency strikes, like, whoa, okay. Exactly. Automatically this, sobered up. <laughs> yeah, and this emergency is doubled down. As the as ninjas start jumping out and attacking her, this person who they thought was just joining her cult is suddenly being attacked by these ninjas. And at the precipice of kind of like the temple temple altar, Bubbles is even more desperately trying to both order the ninjas to finish her and the rest of the rescue rangers while trying to get the song going again. So mm. being like, yeah, finish her. It's all good. You belong. But Bubbles does not have the charm or charisma or love that Pop Shop had. Yeah. And no one joins in. And he they start to question what the fuck is going on. Why are we attacking this lady who was just getting fizzed? Why is she storming with an armored vehicle? Do we need to be worried about her or the ninjas? And where is Pop Top? 
none of the this is like starting to get a little strange <laughs> this is getting weird am i right fellas yeah. syllable <laughs> cuts on. yeah it's not yeah. just me right right yeah. right cool um, they're like so afraid of it though because you have to have group think exactly right? like so they no all one wants to check. speak up yeah, they're they're like, right like the group thinks this is strange right, right? <laughs> yeah but no one's speaking up they're always like uh ah. yeah. That was weird. And Our vehicles, no, it's normal. What is this? <laughs> it might be. We've had these ninjas around. Is this cool? Is this not cool? And Bubbles <laughs> fucking snaps. He does not have the control of the members, and him like violently snapping as someone who was barely, uh, you know, partial leader, second in hand, sends mm-hmm. shockwaves through the crowds. And at this point, he starts to go fight Gadget in the armored vehicle herself Oof. and or himself. And luckily, yeah. her new invention is fucking badass. It's able to be, essentially knock the bottles that were being lowered down into the bucket completely off of the like lowering device. It's knocked free again. It like crashes. They're all able to escape. And there she's able to, again, with this huge vehicle, knock over the bucket of fizz and reveal the trap door. And mm-hmm. there, obviously, they see people was, you know, tumbling or Pop Top was tumbling out of the bottle that was crashing and that they were basically being defrauded the whole time. But clearly it wasn't Pop Top doing the defrauding as he was also a prisoner. It was yeah. Bubbles. We do learn, though, that Pop Top, in true actual good leader form, shuts down the cult after this Mm. i like to think that he returned to his small midwestern town and brought the power of acceptance to this town maybe it was like the movie footloose they're all allowed (laughs) to listen and dance to music now as you said earlier (laughs) and all of the kids he grew up with can finally be themselves um gadget ties a nice little bow on top at the end as if she wasn't totally in the process of about to join a cult by saying, you don't need a cult to get together. Just know where you belong with friends and that's what matters. She was playing it off, clearly. Yeah, girl, yes. we all saw that. <laughs> we saw you getting fizzed. We all saw, yeah. <laughs> but I will finish up here at the end with two more pieces of wild speculation. Ooh, yay. I think that had the rescue rangers not happened upon this cult, and sped up Bubbles' plan to take it over because clearly Bubbles was like, all right, fuck, we got to do this now. Mm, they now know never. the jig is up. I think that the Bubbles would have convinced Pop Top to work some type of martyrdom complex into the cult. So I think that as more people were asking, okay, what now? Bubbles could have gotten it into Pop Top's head that he was the representative and face of their common and ultimate humanity. Because after all, everyone was listening to him and following his teachings. So he must be special. Pop Top must be the most special of Mm -hmm. them. And as the most special, I think Bubbles would have slowly convinced, because again, he was there for the long game. He would have convinced Pop Top that you are the ultimate conduit to like this higher level and higher vibration where We are at our most core of humanity. No materials, no bodies, just souls type of thing. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, some deep speculation here. Because I I think another thing that Bubbles would have worked in, I think he would have crafted some type of enemy. Because another thing successful cults need is an enemy or force to fight against and bring them all closer together. So this would have given him the reason to be, you know, 
opening up about building a ninja army. And I think that Bubbles would have assassinated Pop Top, blaming it on this faceless enemy and giving Pop Top this true martyrdom. But I don't think he would have done this before he got Pop Top to establish Bubbles as like an heir to the cult. With Bubbles at the helm, I think the cult would, without a doubt, have been perverted and twisted away from Pop Top's original message of belonging into who knows what. And this can happen in cults. And I'll talk about two here, where there are kind of two leaders, like a main face and a co-leader, who to some variety, especially if the main leader dies, the second one takes over and twists the cult into ways that they want, usually more mm-hmm. nefarious ways in order to guarantee the survival of the cult and their power. For example, Heaven's Gate was originally led by two people preaching various things about the afterlife and space and other shit. But when one died, the other, who was kind of a co-leader, they're kind of equal, took a hard turn to extremism and doomsday and the need to quote unquote abandon their vehicles to reach the next level, aka kill themselves. And this indeed ended in a 39 person suicide in 1997, which may not have happened if that other co-leader hadn't died and she did drive natural causes. Additionally, I mentioned earlier the Osho movement, uh, the one that had happened in Oregon, um, which I know I will say a little less about, um, but beyond amassing weapons, again, classic cult, uh, <laughs> when the main guru retreated into silence, the second in command became more or less the spokesperson and leader of this quote-unquote commune, intentional living, aka cult, uh, <laughs> and only made the hostilities worse between them and the community. She was eventually pinned for a number of crimes and criminal activities, including trying to win a county election by poisoning the populace, okay. among other assassination <laughs> attempts. So uh, slightly removed, but still it goes to show that the second in command can be just as serious and dangerous as numero uno in settings like a yep. cult. And that's it. <laughs> Ergo, why Bubbles was the most such an innocent name that he was uh-huh. the most dangerous of them all along it's also Damn. almost like that it's like the the militarized more radical thought especially after losing your initial leader it's like well they weren't doing things big and bold enough anyway yes. like we were we were under attack under their leadership under my leadership will be the attackers like right, people exactly. will fear us it's like they have this like a chip on their shoulder from the prior leader. And like, maybe they hear some of the like anger from some members Mm or like, we could be getting our message out more. I know I hear you, but they want to do this and we got to follow them. Yeah. And when that person kicks the bucket, bring in the big guns. Yeah. And that's why it's, it's a crazy thing where you see cults live past their main leader and usually Mm -hmm. it's the next leader that's way more extreme and violent. Yes. Wow. Great job. Great Thank story. You. Great. Uh, great way to tie classic Disney afternoon adventures 
into yes. the horror of cults in America in the world. Really, in the world. The name the world. of the episode, yeah. like straight up, was like the case of the cuckoo cola cult. They <laughs> call themselves a cult the whole episode. Yeah, so. They were not even trying to hide that <laughs> yeah. at all. They were they like, were no, like, children, watch this and please pay attention. <laughs> yeah, they were like, remember Jonestown that just happened? Just fucking watch happened. This shit, this, yeah. This way so. you'll never be one of those victims. Hopefully. Um wow. Amazing. Can I also just say one of my biggest takeaways from this episode is that the New York Department of Health really needs (laughs) to get on that factory because there is a major soda factory or like Coca-Cola factory that is just overrun by mice as <laughs> mice being trapped in the bottles like you know what it's this New is York a problem City in the 80s so um yeah and on the culpability you know yeah you know what viewers let us know like is um is pop top comparable for any of this my, my own two cents there's there's definitely joint liability there but yeah viewers yep. tell us what you think yeah how how much liability culpability weighs on each pop one top. of them yes exactly yeah. so uh until <laughs> until then until i guess next week for more rescue rangers episodes uh who should they tell who should they tell about the episode or the show Ooh, who should you tell? Gosh, I mean, talked a lot about cults. So I'm <laughs> your like, cult tell leader? your favorite cult leader, <laughs> your, your local cult leader. Every community has one, I'm sure. sure. Um, right, let's see. This week, tell um, go to. Oh boy. Uh-oh. Speaking of cults. Uh-huh. Go to your local church. Go to the church nearest to <laughs> so you. Tell your local cult yeah. And just, you know, tell some people going in. If you're part of a church, tell your church members, your <laughs> your other, not, I guess it's not the clergy, your uh, congregation. Uh-huh. And uh, if you're not part of a church, tell someone you know who is maybe a little too involved in their local <laughs> church to, hey, maybe uh, if you're not doing anything this Sunday evening, maybe take a break and listen to Saturday Morning Mysteries. Yeah. Tell them to listen to this particular episode because then you will either lose a friend or we'll like we'll have people starting to attack us for our views and opinions but like fuck it bring it on <laughs> but if it brings them out of whatever cult they need come on baby mm-hmm. um yeah. well and then they'll actually say well no saturday morning mysteries is the cult <laughs> but no we're not like them no we're different <laughs> we're not like them but if we start a patreon at any point i think yeah. you should give us all of your i think you should give all of your money to us because we're going yeah. to put it back in the world to do really great things yeah well, and if you're lost and looking for something in life we promise we have an answer for you yeah but do you feel like you're not going to hear it until next week <laughs> yeah and cartoons you have to come back to listen you have to come back and, like, and then also give us the last four digits of your social security number <laughs> Yeah, email them Saturday Morning Mysteries at gmail.com. It'll be safe with us, okay? Mm-hmm. Like it's chill. It's chill. Yeah. Um, I think in addition to your local church and/or place of worship, um I think you should tell a friend who you think might be a little too obsessed with something that's not traditional religion. So it's easier for them to be like, nah, man, it's not a cult. But just like, you know, they're spending slowly, a little like, too much time. Are they slowly like not ans- like ghosting you a little bit, distancing themselves from friends and family? Like, you know, here's some telltale signs mm-hmm. using like some words that don't really make sense out of context, but to them makes total sense because that's also another classic cult sign is they create their own language mm. because it creates like this sense of inclusivity and belonging. Yeah. You maybe have them listen to this episode. Yeah. Help them out. Check it out. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a little scoff. Like 
maybe yeah. it'll open their eyes a bit. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully we and save some lives. <laughs> yes, that is what we're here to do. And we can save yours. You just have to like, comment, subscribe, <laughs> review. <laughs> watch every single episode week. give us your social security number and <laughs> then give numbers. us all of your worldly possessions yes it's and like not that big of an end you will have a better life yeah and we'll have more saturday morning mysteries bye that's it bye thanks for tuning in to saturday morning mysteries if you enjoyed this episode please share rate review leave us a like and drop a comment we post episodes every Saturday and bonus tune tangents whenever we feel like it. So please subscribe so you don't miss the shenanigans. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, click the bell under the YouTube subscribe button to receive notifications when new videos are posted. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have no idea what you're listening to us on. So just hit the big subscribe button on whatever app you're using. We, we believe in you. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at SatmoreMist, all the abreeds, and let us know if you have any episode or show requests by emailing SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com. Thanks to Jenna Kendall for the logo design and to Ava Sakiki for the music used during this week's episode. See y'all groovy kids next week on Saturday Morning Mysteries.